Welcome to another edition of Talking Home Care, a podcast of the Home Care Alliance of Massachusetts. I'm your host, Home Care Alliance of Mass Executive Director, Pat Kelleher. Today, our podcast takes on one of the most contentious questions to be put before the Massachusetts voters in, in the form of a ballot referendum. Question one asks the voters to decide on November 6th if the state should set and monitor the ratios of nurses to patients across all Massachusetts hospitals. The ratios for all hospital units are written into the ballot question and would essentially be the same for every hospital, regardless of the size, location, or unique patient census of that hospital. Voters looking for facts are directed to two very similar sounding websites and campaigns. The website safepatientlimits.org is encouraging a yes vote and is primarily driven by the Mass Nurses Association with support from many labor organizations, as well as a number of high-profile politicians. The website protectpatientsafety.com is encouraging a no vote and has the backing of the hospital industry, the local chapter of the American Nurses Association, the Mass Association of College of Nursing, the Organization of Nurse Leaders, and many business groups. The Home Care Alliance of Mass is part of the Vote No Coalition. Today, we welcome to Talking Home Care, Amanda Oberlees. Amanda is CEO of the Regional Organization of Nurse Leaders of Mass, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Vermont. Amanda's here to shed some light on why her organization is encouraging a no vote. Thank you, Amanda, for being here. Thank you, Pat, for the invite. Happy to be here. First, let's start um, for people who may not be following this closely. Give us a little historical perspective on the issue of staffing ratios in hospital units. Is it common practice here or anywhere else? What would these ratios look like if the ballot question passes? Sure. So the Massachusetts Nurses Association, which is a nursing labor union in Massachusetts, has been putting this forth in the state legislature for about 20 years now and trying to mandate minimum staffing ratios at all hospitals. Um, so they've been unsuccessful in passing this in the legislature here in Massachusetts, and now they're going to voters um, in the form of a referendum or ballot question. Um, so they are trying to limit the number of patients that nurses could care for at any given time in all hospitals at all times um, in all units with absolutely no flexibility, um, regardless of local circumstances. Um, the MNA um, represents about 21% of nurses in Massachusetts. And again, they've been proposing this for about 20 years. In 2014, there was a law passed um, in our ICUs in Massachusetts, and there are um, patient limits or ratio, ratios in um, the ICUs in all Massachusetts hospitals. Um, other than that, um, there are no limits um, set in Massachusetts hospitals. Um, there's actually one other um, state in our country that does have a similar law, and that is California. California passed a ratio law in 1999, and it went into effect there in 2004. So they've had this in effect in California um, for about 14 years now. Um, and so when you ask, you know, do many other states or do other people have this, um, it's only California right now in our country. And I would ask your listeners, if this was good policy, if this was good for patients, for nurses and other healthcare providers and for our hospitals and community settings, wouldn't this have passed in another state within the last 20 years? It's interesting that that you bring up California, because if you're following um, the paid media or some of the debates, 
both campaigns, the, both the no and the yes campaign seem to be citing California um, as um, supporting their side. The vote yes campaign says, well, hospitals didn't close in California and they seem to have been able to absorb the costs of this. But I think the vote no campaign says that the comparisons with the California experience are not as apt as the vote yes campaign may try to make them out to be. So where does the mass initiative differ from what is now law in California? Great question. So the two laws, Pat, are different. Um, the one that's being propo proposed here in Massachusetts and the one that is on the books in California. So, and there's a couple of differences and I'll just highlight a couple of those. Um, the implementation timeline um, is very different in both states. California, um, as I mentioned, passed their law in uh, 1999 and had five years to implement it. And during that five years, they had time to research and debate and come up with the right numbers for California and for the patients there. In Massachusetts, um, the implementation date that was written into our law here, um, again, authored by the MNA, um, was an effective date of January 1, 2019. So that leaves a mere 37 business days um, for hospitals uh, to prepare for this and to hire a large number of nurses uh, to come into compliance with the law. Um, other differences is that um, the numbers of the ratios are different in uh, California and what they've had for the last uh, 14 years and the numbers that are being proposed in Massachusetts. Another difference in the California law is that the California law does allow up to 50% of the licensed nurses there to be um, licensed vocational nurses or licensed practical nurses, whereas the Massachusetts law is strictly registered nurses. Um, one other um, notable difference is this notion about other support staff and other healthcare workforces within a hospital. In California, there was no prohibition on the reduction of healthcare um, workforce staffing levels as a result of their law in California, whereas Massachusetts has specifically wrote in, written in, the MNA wrote in, um, that there is this prohibition that there cannot be any reduction in the healthcare workforce um, as a result of the implementation of these safe patient limits. So even if you wanted to try to be more efficient to afford the ratios, you're not allowed to, to change other staff? Correct. I want to come back to the issue of the LPN versus RN issue when we talk a little bit about um, um, supply and demand of nurses in Massachusetts. But let's just talk a little bit about um, costs. A lot has been written about the potential costs of the ratios, and each side has put out different studies with widely differing numbers. The Mass Health Policy Commission, which is charged by the state legislature with managing health care costs in the state, put the potential costs at up to $900 million a year. I think for the public, these figures are so hard to process. What does $900 million mean in a multi-billion dollar industry? So I think it's coming down to some of the um, uh, lay people not in healthcare that I talk to is, will this improve my care? When I go to the hospital, can I expect to have better care, better outcomes, as we talk about in the healthcare community? What do you say to the lay person who wants to know what's the answer to that question? Will this improve my care? Mm -hmm. So the short answer, Pat, is that no, this will not um, improve care at all. There has been a lot of uh, research done on the California model and in uh, nurse staffing in general. Um, and a lot of the articles um, and research that are being cited by the Massachusetts Nurses Association, um, the authors of this ballot question, they actually cite in their, uh, these research articles actually warn 
against mandating rigid nurse staffing at all times. And so what a lot of the research does speak about is the benefits of having more nursing hours for patients or having more nurses um, or having more nurses on staff. And that's very, very different. And that's, I think, intentionally being uh, trying to mislead voters. It's very different than what the MA is offering in their ballot question, which is a rigid at all times mandate. And the research is very clear that that would actually tie the hands of nurses and other care providers, and it would not lead to better patient outcomes. And so we know that this is going to be very, very costly, um, and there's absolutely no guarantee that patient care will be improved. Um, I'm happy to jump into some of the numbers, if you'd like, in terms of how those costs were arrived at or... No, I think at the end, maybe, you know, we can talk a little bit about studies and maybe where folks can find the Health Policy Commission uh, report. I think, you know, you mentioned that the real issue for good patient care is making sure we have enough nurses and that the management can deploy those nurses as is needed, um, where um, demand may be up in a certain unit in the emergency room, in a certain surgical unit, et cetera. The, the idea is having enough nurses to fill the vacancies we have right now. Um, and I like to talk to you a little bit about supply. We hear um, again from the Vote Years campaign that we do not have a lack of sufficient nurses in this state to make sure that um, hospitals can staff all the units. But I think we who are in the home care industry know we have shortages and we're worried that we will not have a significant nursing supply to fill the needs in our sector. So I'm wondering how the hospitals are thinking about that. We know a lot of our nurses are retiring um, in home health care and we're having a hard time filling them. So if nurses in the hospital being of sufficient supply is really the issue, um, where do you think we are with that in Massachusetts? Um, so we do have a shortage right now, Pat, in Massachusetts of nurses. We have currently 1,200 nursing positions that are open and that hospitals are actively trying to recruit for. And some uh, nursing positions do take a long time. Um, there are certain specialties where it could take six to 12 months to find a nurse. I'm thinking um, operating room, emergency room, labor and delivery. Sometimes it takes uh, many months to um, bring one of those nurses into uh, a position. So right now we have a deficit of nurses in Massachusetts to the tune of about 1,200. Um, we graduate in Massachusetts about 3,500 nurses each year um, from our wonderful um, colleges and universities and schools of nursing. And we also experience about 4,000 of our nurses um, go into retirement each year. Um, a recent study that was done by Dr. Peter Burhouse um, came out early uh, 2017. He looked at the different census regions throughout the country and region one or New England. He found that when compared to the other census regions throughout the country, Region 1 has the largest number of nurses over 50 and the lowest number of nurses under 40. So we are looking at a crunch or a shortage of nurses in, in New England. So all nursing markets are local. You can have areas of the country that have a surplus of nurses and areas of the country that have a deficit. We are looking at um, a deficit in the future because of these retirements and because of the demographics and the age of our nursing workforce. Um, what we did see in California was that when this passed was that there was was wage inflation that happened in California for nurses. And that's because there was all of a sudden a big demand for nurses and a very low supply. And so that naturally increased wages 
is, and I believe the number is about 8 to 12% is what they saw for wage inflation in California. If we see some of that happen in Massachusetts because of the passage of question number one, we could see wage inflation happen in acute care hospitals. And then where, what might this do to other areas where care is provided? And um, the people on the no side, our coalition is very concerned about question one, creating a pull from the community into acute care. And so we're worried that workforces such as home care, ambulatory care, rehabilitation, assisted living, long-term care, community health centers, hospice, um, substance use disorder treatment settings, we're wondering if we're going to see nurses from those areas migrate and move into the acute care setting where they potentially could earn more money um, as a result of this wage inflation. And that would not be good for the community. That would not be good for visiting nurses for home health um, uh, settings. Um, you know, how do we now think about it, what that would mean in terms of having a patient in a hospital and needing to discharge them, but wanting a visiting nurse to see the patient within 12 or 24 hours after their discharge. And if there is a now a shortage of visiting nurses or home health nurses, that patient could stay longer in the hospital. And we know that that's not best for patients. So the best thing for the patient um, would be to um, receive their care and then return home with supports as quickly as possible. So that's exactly our concern in the home care industry. And, and to break it down in a, in a simpler way, you said you think that hospitals in Mass are reporting about 1,200 vacancies for nursing positions right now. Um, and what is the number um, that the hospitals estimate they would have to hire um, between now and January 1st or to, to, to meet the ratio targets if this ballot question were to pass? How many nurses are we talking about trying to hire? So the estimates right now are roughly about um, 4,700 nurses. Um, there was a report from the Health Policy Commission um, that I would encourage everyone to look at that was um, released on October 3rd of 2018. Um, but they are projecting a slightly number than this 4,700 number that I just mentioned. Um, but their report does not include areas such as the emergency rooms and the post-acutes. Um, so I believe if you added on uh, what we would need for nurses in those two areas alone, you would get, um, you know, pretty much at the um, 4,700 number. So we have the 1,200 nurse vacancy plus the 4,700 new nurses that would need to be hired. So it's roughly around 5,900 nurses that we'd be needing to, to bring in. And I just want to say one more thing. Um, what I am hearing, you know, I'm speaking on this, um, you know, many times during the week, sometimes twice a day um, at various different venues. Largely, um, those venues are attended by someone from the yes side. Um, and what they might say is that there are nurses right now working part-time and they are interested in working full-time. And what I would say to that is, again, looking at nursing workforce issues, the nursing workforce really closely follows our economy. And so at times when we have a slump in our economy and our economy isn't that strong, we have nurses going back into the workforce and trying to pick up hours and trying to work full-time. When we see a very robust and healthy economy, which we're seeing right now, nurses tend to pull back on their hours because there might be another wage earner in the household. And so they are able to pull back. Um, so nursing workforces and nursing hours closely follow um, the, uh, the economy.
I, I think I, I, I don't know that study, but I feel like in home care, we find that to be true in a slightly different way. Our um, executives and our human resources folks uh, report that many nurses, those even graduating from nursing school with a real commitment to nursing, um, because of the newer generation, they're different quality of life, different ways that they're thinking. A lot of them want to work part-time. Again, you mentioned because there's another homeowner, uh, another wage earner in the house, but we also find nurses coming out of school who want to work part-time for all sorts of lifestyle decisions that they're making. Um, and so I feel as though we in home care are struggling to accommodate that and we will accommodate that, but I'm not sure we're going to see those nurses suddenly change to full-time if this ballot question passes. Yeah, I would agree. I think there are many factors that um, lend itself to why nurses work the hours. And I think generational differences are certainly one of those. It seems, though, that um, a lot of the paid media we are seeing suggests that there is a a universal support for this among nurses um, in terms of the, you know, anyone who has their television on can see the advertisements suggesting that um, the the, huge grassroots support for this among nurses. Um, and again, both sides have done some polling. Can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of, you know, the nurse in the field, in, on, in the hospital, on the hospital floor and support for this? So I would say overwhelmingly, um, I have seen nurses coming out against ballot question number one and um, having intention to vote no. Um, I have seen very few nurses um, who do want this to pass. Um, I believe in a recent um, WBUR poll, um, they found that only 15% of nurses um, find that this should be on the ballot and they do support the ballot question. Other than that, I think um, maybe in the perhaps earlier in the campaign or in the election cycle, there was more um, more interest in nurses to see something like this pass. But I think as we've been able to educate nurses and educate the general public, I think that support is definitely slipping. And um, I think we're seeing more people understand that this would not be good for patients, it would not be good for nurses, and it certainly wouldn't be good for hospitals and community um, health care. We know that community hospitals are struggling now, and um, there are uh, suggestions that the cost to some of those community hospitals to implement this could actually put them on a slippery slope to uh, financial instability and even um, potentially closing. And I know um, some people are saying, well, that's just scaring the public, but I think those numbers are real for some of the hospitals that local communities depend on. Can you speak to that? Um, The numbers that you mentioned for community hospitals are real. Um, This definitely would put hospitals at risk, and it would largely be the smaller hospitals um, that would have trouble um, making this work financially and staying viable and staying open. Um, There are about 68 hospitals in Massachusetts, and currently there are 14 hospitals that are struggling uh, to stay open. They have a negative margin. There are projections and models that are showing that if question one passes, there would be another 25 hospitals that would move into a negative margin, bringing that total to about 39 hospitals um, not operating with a a margin or a profit. And so this is very concerning because um, of the important role that community hospitals do play in providing health care to to patients. So we do not want to see one of those hospitals close, never mind many. We also wonder if this is going to set up this sort of... um, 
uh, environment where you have haves and have-nots. You know, there are some big academic hospitals that will be able to weather um, ballot question one passing and they will be okay. Um, but is it right that um, community hospitals um, might struggle and potentially have to close services, units, or entirely? Um, and what would that mean to the community that they serve? And how does that um, help patients at all in terms of access and now needing to drive further for their care. What we did know, uh, what we did find out in California was that hospitals did actually close in California. And in 2016, there were 34 fewer acute care hospitals in California than there were in 2002 prior to the implementation of their law. Um, California hospitals were more than twice as likely to close as other hospitals in other states um, during that same time period. And there's actually um, a, a dissertation um, uh, research um, article that is um, embargoed until the summer of 2019. But in this article, um, they do state that the research indicates a causal relationship between the California staffing law and hospital and ED closures. So we just know that this would be extremely costly, more than $1 billion a year. There's absolutely no um, guarantee that patient um, care would be improved, patient outcomes would be improved. Um, and we are fearful that there would be um, a lot of access issues uh, where patients would um, see decreased access to care. It's interesting. And I think we would note that um, in all objective studies done by the federal government who closely watches the behavior of hospitals in all states, um, that Massachusetts is actually among the highest in all sorts of benchmarks for healthcare quality. We are already, um, even in the absence of something like a, a nurse to uh, patient staff ratio, um, higher than California in many quality outcomes, if not all of them. And that in fact, um, you know, patients in Massachusetts need to understand that we have a very high quality health system already in this state. Um, and I think folks who experience it hopefully see that. Thank you for bringing that up, Pat. So when you look at quality ca uh, comparisons between Massachusetts and California, Massachusetts outperforms California in a lot of different areas. And I'll just um, relay a few of those. Massachusetts outperforms California in mortality, infections, patient safety, ER wait times, patient satisfaction, overall performance, prevention and treatment, 30-day hospital mortality, infant mortality, hospital discharge instructions, patient-centered hospital care. Um, as you mentioned, um, people, um, the healthcare is very um, good in Massachusetts. People travel from all around the country and all around the world to receive um, care at our um, institutions. So we are doing a lot right in terms of healthcare quality and safety in Massachusetts. Um, the, in terms of um, a couple of different groups, um, thinking about the LeapFrog Hospital Safety Grade, for example, in 2018 gave Massachusetts a, um, a great a ranking of number four, whereas uh, California came in at 25. Um, I believe in 2017, we were named one of the healthiest states in the country, whereas um, California was a 17. So again, we are doing a lot right in Massachusetts in terms of um, safety and quality, um, pro the providing uh, high quality care. Um, another thing to note is that we also have very robust uh, nursing levels in Massachusetts when you look at the number of nurses per capita. And so when you, I believe this is 2016 data, but the number of nurses in Massachusetts is uh, 
roughly um, around 1,300 nurses per 100,000 of our population, whereas California, who have ha- they've had this law for 14 years, they have about 600 nurses um, per 100,000 of their population. So despite California having this law for 14 years, um, Massachusetts already has very, very robust nursing numbers. And I think, you know, that's a good place to, to begin to understand. I think in, in the Boston Globe editorial board, who interviewed both sides, um, came to the conclusion of encouraging a no vote, almost thinking, and not to put words in their mouth, if it's not broke, no, let's not try to fix it. And I think they went right to the issue of not costs, because they said the cost studies are all over the place, but really to the issue of patient care um, in trying to educate the voters. And they said in their editorial, making medical staffing decisions at the ballot box is an inherently suspect idea. The burden rests on nurses to show that their proposal would be worth it from the perspective of that patient arriving at the Massachusetts hospital. And according to them, they have provided no conclusive evidence that in fact, this would improve care. Regardless whether you put the costs aside, the issue that um, their endorsement hinged on is the fact that they can see no evidence that this would improve care. And I think all of the data that you just provided in terms of Mass versus California um, supports that. Let me just ask this, um, where do we go on this issue even if it doesn't pass? Um, Ballot questions can be so um, contentious do you think that we are now having a wedge being driven between hospital management and nurses? And um, where do we go from here on that issue if the no section, if the no um, uh, supporters were to prevail? So I am not um, seeing too much of this. I, I don't believe there's a lot of tension between hospital management and nurses. I think that's a narrative that the union is trying to advance um, in sort of pitting CEOs or other administrators against nurses or hospital against nurses. And and I don't know that that is um, widely, um, it, it's, I don't know if that's uh, very much out there. I am seeing some tensions between nurses on both sides. Um, Both Mm -hmm. sides feel very, very passionate about their decision and how they want to vote. Um, So I am seeing some of that tensions. And I'm sure um, regardless of the outcome, there's going to need to be a period of sort of cooling off and, and, um, you know, thinking about what are next steps. So I know that um, hospital administrators, managers, healthcare leaders have been just so mindful to really try to educate nurses um, that they work with every day and to just present the facts and to let them know how this could really impact care how it could impact their profession, how it could impact the entire care team. So nurses are amazing. They're super um, important to the provision of high quality and safe patient care, but they're but one part of a care team that comes together each and every day to care for patients. On any given day, there are 10 people or 10 professionals that could touch a patient. And sometimes the best things for patients are not more nursing hours, but they could be perhaps more pharmacy hours or more social work hours, case management, or um, another role group um, would be best for patient care. And that's what we need to be looking at when we're looking at state uh, uh, staffing and and staffing of our, our hospitals is what do the patients need and how can we provide that? Again, uh, nursing hours are great, um, but sometimes there are other role groups that could do best, do, do better for what the patient might need. 
So I'm hopeful that uh, the voters of Massachusetts will vote no. Um, and the no voters that I'm talking to are largely voting no because they want to make sure that health care continues to be accessible, that health care continues to be affordable, and that there are treatment options available for behavioral health patients. Um, we do know that um, we could see a loss of 1,000 um, behavioral health beds if this passes, and that just would not be good for our state right now. Um, so I hope to see a no vote, and I look forward to um, leading the conversation after the election. My guest has been Amanda Oberle, CEO of the Organization of Nurse Leaders, um, encouraging a no vote on question one. As I said at the outset of the podcast, you can educate yourself by going to safepatientlimits.org. They are encouraging a yes vote. You can also go to protectpatientsafety.com. They are encouraging a no vote. The Home Care Alliance of Massachusetts is a part of that coalition, encouraging a no vote for all of the reasons that Amanda spoke to, particularly the fact that we want to be able to continue to provide care in the community with a nurse-led team. Um, thank you, Amanda, for being here today. Um, are there any uh, other sites or information points that you want to direct our listeners to? Um, no, I think the one that you mentioned would be uh, terrific. Uh, protectpatientsafety.com would be excellent. And thank you, Pat Kelleher. Thank you, Home Care Alliance, uh, for your support of the Coalition to Protect Patient Safety and a no vote in Massachusetts. Please vote November 6th. Thank you. Talking Home Care is a production of the Home Care Alliance of Massachusetts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about our association, visit us at www.thinkhomecare.org. Thank you.